We read these words a moment ago. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Did you ever know anybody that seemed like no matter what they do, they always seem to succeed? They always seem to come out ahead. They always seem to win. And you really notice those people when you're in a rut. We all get in ruts. Everybody does. When you're in a rut, when it seems like you're going through a period where, man, I just keep on losing and losing. And uh, you look around and you really notice that guy who just seems to keep on winning. He always seems to pass the tests and get the job. He always seems to be the guy who gets the date or uh, his car is always running smoothly. His life always seems to be just right. His marriage always seems to be perfect. His kids always seem to be behaving. He doesn't seem to have any problems. Now, that's not true of anybody. But there's times when it seems like there's that guy or there's that woman that everything just seems to turn out right for them. And when that hits us, when we seem to see somebody, how, how come it seems like I'm getting everything wrong and he's getting everything right? How come it seems like everything I touch fails and everything she touches succeeds? What's his secret? How does he do it? What does he know that I don't know? Well, Proverbs 14.8, we just read, lets us in on the secret that will make us better at everything we do. And I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a way of thinking. If you're going to get there, you're going to have to change how you think. But it says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Let's break that down a little bit. First of all, the subject of that sentence is the prudent. All right, say that word with me, prudent. Ready? Prudent. One more time. Ready? Prudent. One more time. Ready? Prudent. The prudent. That's one of those words that the more you say it, the weirder it sounds, isn't it? Right? Prudent, prudent, prudent. That sounds stupid. But the prudent, that's the subject of this sentence. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. The Bible has a lot to say about this guy the prudent. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16 says, A prudent man covereth shame. That means he saves the people in his life from embarrassment. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Proverbs 12, 23 says, A prudent man concealeth knowledge. That means he's not a blabbermouth. Proverbs 13, verse 16 says, A prudent man dealeth with knowledge. That means he knows what he's doing. When he, when he takes action... He's knowledgeable in his action. He's no, he knows what he's doing. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The prudent man looketh well to his going. It means he's prepared to face life as a whole and every aspect of life. Proverbs 14, 18 says, The prudent are crowned with knowledge. That means that because he proceeds in knowledge, he's constantly being rewarded 
with more knowledge. So the prudent man, because he deals in, I want to know how to do things, he comes across knowledge by accident more than most people do on purpose because it matters to him. He values knowledge. And so he is crowned, he is rewarded with knowledge. Have you ever considered the concept that knowledge is a reward? That you could live in such a way that God could reward you with knowledge. Do you know that so many of your problems are solved with knowledge? Lord, show me how to do We think all of our problems would be solved with cash. But most of our problems are solved with knowledge. God, show me how to do this, and bang, all of a sudden, some information comes across your path, or even a thought comes into your mind. You say, oh, man, that's a great idea. I've never considered that before. He is crowned with knowledge. Proverbs 15.5 says that he regardeth reproof. I'm sorry, back it up. He that regardeth reproof is prudent. So the prudent man appreciates being corrected. That's a tough one right there. I have not met a lot of people in my life that appreciate being corrected. Most people get corrected and they get an attitude right away. Even adults, maybe even especially adults. Who are you to tell me da da da? But the prudent man, when he is corrected, he appreciates. Oh, I was doing that wrong? Or you know a way where I can do that better and you're going you're gonna to care enough about me to tell me? Thank you. Oh, we all got this pride that is raging so that when somebody corrects us right away, we, oh, yeah, who do you think you are? But the prudent regardeth. It means he respects. He has respect for reproof. Reproof means correction. When a prudent man is corrected, he says, thank you very much. I appreciate you telling me that. Proverbs 18, 15 says, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. That means he's teachable. He has the heart of a student. Proverbs 19, verse 14, a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now, I love this. God puts prudent people together. So if you care about the right kind of knowledge, God's going to put you together with a husband or a wife that cares about about knowledge. Isn't that good? By the way, I think that also means that if you don't care, you might get stuck with somebody who doesn't care. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. That means that he can see when trouble is coming and he protects himself. So wait, this prudent man is quite a guy. That's the guy that we were talking about in Proverbs 14, verse number 8, that the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Now, don't write me off. Don't just assume that we're talking Bible talk and that doesn't apply to me. No, we're we're getting somewhere that has the potential to make you better in everything you do. So stay with me here. The prudent man has his weakness and his faults. He makes mistakes like the rest of us, but he always seems to come out ahead. Well, what's his secret? What does he know that we don't know? What is it that he does that I don't do? And the answer is found in the verse that we started with. Proverbs 14, verse 8. The wisdom 
of the prudent is to understand his way. There it is. That's his secret. You say, wait a second, I, I didn't hear anything, all right? The wisdom or the secret of the prudent, the thing that makes him wise is that he insists on knowing everything he can about where he intends to go in life. Okay? The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. All right. If I said to you, it was funny, my wife's brother was here visiting a couple weeks ago, and uh, most of the trips that we make in life in general are back, trips back and forth from our house to the church, to the church, from the church to our house. Back and I don't know how many times a day we make that trip for one reason or another. And so Ted was making that trip with us, sometimes the three of us, and sometimes Amy and her brother together. And after about the fifth trip, he said to Amy, he said, you know, I think every time we've gone back and forth to the church so far, we've taken a different way. He said, I try to, I try to learn how to get there. And he said, you're going different ways. He said, one time you go, uh, now he's not saying this, I'm saying this, so you can picture it. Uh, one, one time he's going, uh, we're going this way up the hill through New Fairfield and uh, down Route 37. Next time you're going this way down the hill and up the hill and through New Fairfield and down Route 37. My standard way, and I'm a creature of habit, is uh, my automatic, I mean, if I just close my eyes and put it on autopilot, uh, it would go uh, to go through uh, Putt Lake and then to, to come up and at the top of the hill come out, if you know New Fairfield, the street called Iliad and Ball Ponds right in front of me, and it's always a beautiful scene right there, and to come down 39 and then across this reservoir road here. And uh, so now that if, you, if you're going to, if you're going to rob me or whatever, I guess I just told you how I come to church every time so you, you know where to uh, block the road. But anyway, but if I, so what I'm saying is everywhere we go around here, we don't, we don't understand this. It, so much of the rest of the country is flat and straight. Everything's in squares. But where we live here, it's, I love it. It's so hilly and curvy and everything. And it costs us about 20 times more to live here, but that's okay because it's so hilly and beautiful and curvy and everything. So I said all that to make this point right here. If I said to you right now, okay, um, after church today, we're going to lunch. We're not going to, but I'll just, just don't, get, don't get excited. But we're going to lunch at uh, Applebee's, Okay. Um, you might ask this question. Oh, you're going to Applebee's. What way are you going to take? Because off the top of my head, I can think of about eight different ways to get to Applebee's from here. What way are you going? So your way is the path that you have laid out in front of you that takes you to your destination. All right? With that in mind, let's read that statement again. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Before he takes any trip, he gets a complete understanding of the way. Now, let me just go on record as saying, 
I don't like GPS. I use it because most people expect you to depend on it. You know, it used to be when I would go someplace to preach, part of the tra- or we'd have somebody come here to preach. Part of the discussion would be directions. Could you, could you uh, send me some directions? Long time ago, it was by mail. Then it was by fax. Then it was by email. And now it is no more. Now all you got to send is the address. In fact, people don't even, you don't even send the address anymore because all you got to do is look on their website. So I've had people from, you know, places five and six states away that I've never been to before, and they don't even bother to give me their, uh, their address or any directions. They just said, okay, I'll meet you at the church at whatever, 1 o'clock. And I mean, 15 years ago, I would have said, whoa, 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 where is your church? How do you get there? Give me some directions. Not anymore. Meet you at the church at 1 o'clock. I got to go to their website, which is fine. I do the same to them. I got to go to their website, and I got to put that address into my iPhone, and uh, then that takes it from there. Now, before all that, this is why I don't prefer the GPS. You say, yeah, but it tells you exactly where to go. But you know what it takes away? You know what the GPS takes away from all of us? Understanding. It'll get you to a destination, but you won't know how you got there. And by the way, have you ever been in this situation? And this may be failure to plan. You get to your destination, and then you can't remember how to get back. (laughs) So what I used to do, and I love maps. I absolutely love maps. What I used to do is get get the big old map out, unfold it. And look at the and, and understand the interstate. You got to understand interstates and what the closest one is and what your options are. And let's see, we could go down this way. We could come across this way. We could come around and come up this way. And I like to look at all of my options. I would, if I was going somewhere new, I would map it out and uh, write it down. I even have atlases downstairs where if we would go uh, downstairs in my office, where from from twenty years ago, where if we would go to a the same new destination and then we would go there again and go there again, I would have the trip planned out right there in the atlas. This is how we go. What was that doing? That was trying to understand my way. Now, I'm not saying that that makes me a prudent man, but that is what it means to understand your way. Let me ask you a question. Do you live your life that way? See, way too many just want some sort of de- some some sort of GPS where somebody else does the work and all we got to do is just turn left here, turn right there, instead of understanding your way. Listen, I know the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to direct us, but God still wants us to understand our way before we ever make the trip. So the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. The secret of the prudent is that he insists on knowing everything he can about where he intends to go in life. He insists on fully understanding every step of the journey as much as humanly possible. He insists on knowing and listen carefully because this has to do with every single one of us. 
He insists on knowing what it will take to succeed. He insists on knowing about people who have already greatly succeeded at what he's attempting to do. He insists on knowing what has caused other people on that same journey to fail. He insists on knowing the skills and qualifications that he will need in every phase of his life. He insists on knowing the decisions that he will have to make along the way. He insists on knowing the sacrifices that he'll have to make. He insists on knowing the pitfalls that he's going to face. He refuses to live his life flying by the seat of his pants. He insists on always being fully prepared. He refuses to live ignorantly. He refuses to just let life come to him. He knows where he's going, and he learns everything he can about how to get there. Listen, none of us knows what the future holds. None of us knows exactly what's going to happen, but every one of us ought to have an idea of where we're supposed to be going and what it's going to take to get there. Let me stop and say that uh, we have, we have a, a, praise the Lord, a good number of teenagers in the room every Sunday we do. Your teenage years and even your childhood years are preparation years. Now, I don't mean there's never time to play, and I don't mean, you know, some, you get the other extreme where people say, oh, they're kids, just let them enjoy being kids. I got to tell you, I'm 51 years old. And much of what I do in my life, and I have a very specific occupation. This didn't happen by chance or by accident. Much of what my life consists of at 51, I was thinking about and preparing for when I was seven years old. Oh, come on, seven years old. Now, I don't mean that I had sit down and I was making plans when I was seven. But when I was seven, I already, I was was seven years old when God called me to preach. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll do that. Now, for eight years after that, I was going to be a preacher and a truck driver. Because when I was three years old, I decided I was going to be a truck driver because my dad was. But so when I was seven, I surrendered to preach. And I spent the next eight years trying to figure out how I was going to do both. Now, when I was about 15, I was 15 when I finally let go of the dream of, you know, driving my 18-wheeler down the highway. But much of what I do to this day, I was thinking about when I was 8 years old, 9 years old, 10 years old. And and I've got my, my father's been doing some cleaning out, and he's been coming across these notebooks that I made when I was 10 years old. So I've got, the, I've got in writing, in my little 10-year-old handwriting, to prove it. That I was thinking through what I'd be doing the rest of my life. And I don't mean I was a genius at it. I don't mean I had these great, brilliant thoughts. I mean it occupied some part of my intention, of, of my attention. The wisdom of the prudent. And again, I'm not calling myself prudent. I'm trying to illustrate this principle, and anybody in this room can embrace this and live it. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. The secret to everything in life is to know as much as you possibly can about everything you set out to do. And by the way, not wasting your time on things you don't need to know. 
There's so much information out there that I don't need to know. I want to make a math joke right here so bad. But, you know, math has had very little to do with my life. But some of you, it's going to have a lot to do with your life. I remember uh, a carpenter in our church, used to be in our church, um, telling me. He'd say, you know, I'm not a real smart guy. He said, but I worked for a construction company. And he said, I had a, a, a foreman that I worked for. And he said, I just had been working with him for a couple of days, this foreman. And he take that, took out his tape measure, and he said, we were cutting some, some boards, and so you got to know what length to cut the boards to. And he said, we pulled out the tape measure, and uh, my foreman said, uh, it's, it's 24 inches and three little lines. My foreman. He said he did that a few times, and I said, to him, and, and, and this guy wasn't, you know, he said, I'm, I'll admit, I'm not the genius, but he said, I said, do you not know what those three little lines are? He said, no, I never learned, I never learned fractions. So he had to teach him three sixteenths, three eighths, three quarters. He didn't know what those little lines meant. Now, you say, I, I don't need to know math. I'm not going to be a uh, you know, a, a uh, whatever you need to know math for. I, I'm, you know, I'm convinced of this. And I've talked to every time I meet a teacher, we have this conversation if we have time. There is a, there is a grammar history, grammar slash history mind. And then there is a, this is all my opinion. There is a math slash science mind. And most people are one or the other. If you ever meet a grammar, history, math, science, all in one package, you got yourself an Einstein. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm totally grammar, history, and uh, math, science makes my, makes my hair hurt. And um, anyway, I'm getting way off the subject. Here's, here's the point, though. There's so much information out there, good and bad, that once you know where you're going, you don't need. Now, I, I use the math as a funny example, but the fact is you ought to learn everything you can about math. You ought to learn everything you can about science. You to, but especially you ought to learn those things that have to do with where you're going. Jesus teaches us to count the cost before we begin anything. He said, if, if, if you're going to be a builder, he said, you've got to have a budget. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you've got to have a budget for your project. You've got to know how much the materials are going to cost. You've got to know how much the labor is going to cost before you start the project. Otherwise, you're going to get halfway done. You're going to get half a building and realize you don't have the resources to finish. Jesus said, if a general goes to battle, he's got to know that what, how much manpower. He, you know, you don't just go out there and say, Charge! And then get out on the battlefield and say, uh, how many soldiers do we have? You know, how, many, how much uh, artillery do we have? How much ammunition do we have? No, you figure all that out first. You get your battle plan first, and then you go to battle. And that's all it means when the Bible says the wisdom of the prudent 
is to understand his way. Know as much as you can about what you're doing before you do it. And one of the great weaknesses, I'm afraid, of our generation of Americans is that we jump first. And then we get into the middle of a world of headaches and heartaches, and then we start to do our homework. And it's too late. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Let me give you some quick thoughts about how to do that. We'll be finished. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you've got to take your life choices very seriously. Take your life choices very seriously. The big picture of your life. If you're in high school, whether you're a a freshman or a senior, it ought to occupy your mind on a regular basis. What am I going to do when I get out of school? What am I going to do when I get out of school? That ought to occupy your thoughts. It ought to occupy your prayers. Let me tell you a quick story. I want you to listen. You're going you're gonna to want to hear this, I think, when we get to the end. I could use specifics, but I'm not going to because these are real people, and I, I wouldn't do anything to hurt them. One of the first missionaries that we took on as a church when we first started our church, so we're going back to probably 1995, maybe 96, one of the first missionaries we took on was the son of a pastor in a small town in Tennessee. So he went off to Bible college. He was in Bible college with uh, my wife and myself. He had a brother who was very close to him in age. And when this guy went off to Bible college, his brother decided he was going to see if he could make it in Hollywood. So one brother goes off... Two, two sons of a pastor, small church, small town in uh, Tennessee. One son goes off to Bible college to be a missionary. The other son goes off to Hollywood to be a movie star. So the, the one son, he came to, our, as I said, we were in Bible college together. We knew him. I didn't even know about his brother. Just learned about him recently. But he comes, he goes through. But he was one of the, the finest young men ever to, that I ever knew in college graduated, got married, went out on deputation, he came to our church. In fact, those of you that remember from the VFW days, we had a big open basement and we wanted to divide it into temporary rooms and we were looking for the best way to do that. And this guy was a carpenter. So he came through. He said, Brother Joe, is there anything I can do for you while we're, while we're here? He said, you know what? I said, you know what? This is going to sound crazy, but we need to build some temporary walls, walls that we can put up when we need them and take down when we don't. I had priced dividers, but they were, you know, thousands of dollars. We just weren't there yet. He said, I think I could do that for you for a couple hundred bucks. And he came up with a system. It was amazing of temporary walls. That, that, that was this guy. That he, and he went to the Marshall Islands as a missionary, and that work that he built, is in existence and thriving to this day. We still support the missionary, the pastors, the church that they started. His brother went to Hollywood, and and he was a good young man. He decided, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I'm going to be in movies and television, and I'm going to try to keep my life right. He was He's, he's a Christian. I'm going to try to keep my life right. You can go back. I mean, he's got, if you, those of you that are uh, familiar with the, uh, I think it's called International Movie Database, IMDb. Any movie star has an IMDb page. 
And you can go and see every show, every movie they've ever been. This guy has a long, long list. I'm talking about this missionary's brother. Has a long list. He was in some award-winning programs. He was in, uh, I hate to to, to name it because I I really can't recommend it, but he was in uh, an award-winning war series on, on HBO. A, ma- a major award-winning series, and he was one of the star players in that in that series. He was in a sitcom that ran, I, th- ran, I think, five seasons on television. And uh, he he played roles in all of the you know crime shows like CSI and uh, Law and Order. You know all the how they have this these rotating casts. He was on all those shows. Earlier this year. The producers of one of the, and I should have had this word prepared, but I, I can't, um, like the superhero. You know, they're always making superhero movies. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Always, you know, okay. They're planning the next superhero movie to shoot over the next few years. And they reached out to this guy. By the way, his family's back home in Tennessee all these years praying for him to give up on his Hollywood life and just come back. The producers come to him just earlier this year. And they say, we want you to have the lead role in our next superhero movie. By the way, these are the movies that they're making for your kids to see. We want you to pay, take the lead role in this next superhero movie. We will pay you $90,000 a week while we shoot this movie. But for one year, you're going to have to forget about your morals. These are the movies they're making for your kids. For one year, you're going to have to forget about your morals because you're going to have to do some things that go against what you say you believe in. And that's when he said, it's time to go home. And he walked away from his Hollywood career, praise the Lord, because he had people back home praying for him. I'm saying to you, and I'm not passing judgment on him, but I am saying to you, I wonder, knowing what he knows now, if he could go back to when he and his brother were growing up in small-town Tennessee. I wonder if maybe he wouldn't have chose the Bible College mission field route that his brother chose. I don't know if he would or not. I don't, I've never met him. But I am saying to you, take your choices very seriously. You may not be able to see 40 and 50 and 60 from where you are, but you're going to get there. And it's going to matter. And one of the great ironies of life is that you have to make choices when you're 16 and 18 that are going to affect you when you're 60 and 80. And it's still going to matter. The choices you're making right now, like pot or no pot, they're still going to be with you when you're 70 years old. Take your life choices very seriously. Secondly, constantly ask God to show you the way. Constantly ask God to show you the way. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. There's no way you're going to understand the ways in front of you without God showing you. Take your life choices very seriously. Constantly ask God to show you the way. Number three, learn from people who have gone where you are going. 
Do you know why every year we have Dr. Ray Young preach for us? We have Pastor John Jenkins preach for us. We just had Dr. Williams again. We have Pastor Bish. We have Pastor Clark. You know why? Because every time I visit Brother Jenkins' church, which at least once a year I'm up there, I look around and I say, this is what we want in Danbury. Every time I go to Solid Rock Baptist Church in Berlin, New Jersey, I look around and I say, this is what we want in Danbury. This is where we want to go. This is what our people want. This is what we're after. And I don't just mean the beautiful property and buildings. That's all great. I'm talking about the Spirit of God in the services. I'm talking about the massive influence they have on their community. And so I bring them here so that they can help lead me where they've already been. Number four, choose friends who are serious about going where you want to go. I praise the Lord that my closest friends in the world are the people who are in the Lord's work. And I praise the Lord that among my close, you know, you always hear about people going off into sin, people messing up, people quitting on the Lord. Among my close-knit friends, not a single one of them have gone down that path. Now, I will tell you this. When I was in college, I had a friend. We were very good friends, and I, I, I loved him dearly. And one day, he just sort of disappeared. He was from Chicago, but he just sort of disappeared. And I had to track him down to find him. I said, man, where you been? He said, you know, I just sort of decided that this preacher life isn't for me. And I said, well, we can still be friends. And he said, no, we can't. He said, Joe, you're going a different direction than I'm going. He said, it's not going to work. And you know what? He was right. He had more wisdom at that point than I did. It wasn't going to work. It doesn't mean I quit loving and praying for him, but I never, I don't think I've seen him since that day because he's gone a very different path. Listen, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work to have close friends who are going a different path than you're going. Number five, learn everything you can about every new challenge of life before you begin it. Learn about marriage before you just make the decision to get married. Learn about child-rearing before you just decide to have children. There's so many challenges that, that you see somebody, you know, you ever, you ever hear them say about an athlete, well, he just makes it look easy. They used to say that about Derek Jeter, the way he feels. He just makes it look easy out there. Well, you know, it takes a lot of work to make something look easy. And you see parents and, and you say, oh, they've got great kids. They just make it look easy. It takes a lot of work to make something look easy easy and there's so many things that I didn't understand I remember Catherine I don't mean to embarrass Catherine I try to keep my kids out of my messages by name but uh I she was she was so little she was oh I don't know a year and a half old maybe she was up to that time we had had like our family devotions just the two of us and she was just a baby but there came a point where I decided we need to bring Catherine in on family devotions and I can remember sitting in our living room and I know you won't believe this about my daughter Catherine I'm sitting there trying to tell a bible story and she just will not sit still She's a year and a half. Am I right about that? She's, you know, she's climbing the furniture and she's all over. She's chattering, talking. I'm going, I must have one of those. 
I must have one of those crazy children, and I must, I must somehow I got one of those children that don't sit still, one of those children that don't obey. What I found out was you make children into children who sit still. You make children to be children who obey. And by the way, I don't mean by being a, a crazy, out-of-your-mind screamer. You teach them. You train them. Now, by the time she was four years old, she was the model of how a little girl ought to behave in church. But it didn't just happen. My wife spent unbelievable hours teaching my daughter how to sit still and listen in church. And by the way, once the oldest learns, the second one has a model to follow. So it's so much easier. But can I say, she didn't do it in public. She did it mostly in private. And by the way, until Catherine learned, and we're talking now about the VFW and Brewster, four rows of folding metal chairs. But Amy would bring Catherine into church and they'd sit in the back just in case she had to take her out because Catherine hadn't learned to sit still and listen and be quiet yet. But it took time. And she did all this work and all this training in private so that in public she would be ready to to be what she was supposed to be. By the way, we did not discipline our kids in public because all that does is embarrass them. But we did a ton of discipline in private. And so I'm saying to you that um, these are things that, that Amy knew more about than I did, things that we had to learn, but you can't just jump into being a parent. You've got to learn these things. But let me say to you, to, to just, just while we're on the subject, you have, we have all got to make sure that our kids know how to sit still and listen. And if they're not going to learn it at church, they're not going to know how to do it anywhere else. If they can't sit still and listen, they're not going to pass their classes. They're not going to get the job. They're not going to get promoted. They're not going to be successful. They've got to know how to be still and listen. And they're not just born that way. We have to train them. Learn everything you can about every new challenge of life before you begin it. Number six, I'm going to close it out. Be a reader and a thinker. Number seven, be consumed with getting to your destination. Let me emphasize that word consumed. Be consumed with getting to your destination. Let me give you a verse that states that. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. You decide that wisdom is your destination. You set out to get there. You live your life being consumed with getting to that destination. What's the secret of this guy that always seems to come out on top? His secret is this. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Learn everything you can about where you're going. Life in general and every new area of life. Understand your way before you set out in that direction. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning to follow Solomon's advice.